This is Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield, a podcast that resources families and friends with tools to have important conversations about mental and emotional health. This show is sponsored by Mayfield Counseling Centers, helping you find clarity, hope, and purpose. Here's your host, Trevor Sheeran. Thank you for joining us on Thank you for joining us on Candid Conversations. I'm Trevor Sharon and joined always by Dr. Mark Mayfield. What's going on? Today we are talking about a topic that's relatively new to me and I'm sure new to a lot of our listeners and it's the concept of trauma resiliency. Dr. Mayfield, would you mind giving a brief description of what this concept that we're talking about is? Well, I think it's, yeah, I, I would be, if I was listening, I'm like trauma and resili- resiliency going together. And I think that they, uh, we need to talk about them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to look at it is post, post-traumatic growth. Um, this idea that when trauma happens, instead of allowing us to be uh, significantly affected in the negative sense, uh, to recognize, okay, how is that going to enhance our uh, our growth, our uh, personality, our our lives, and I think it's just in some ways it's in, it's a it's a it's a positive reframe, mm-hmm. right? So everybody's going to have trauma in their life, uh, and you might be going, well, wait a second, no, I don't have trauma. Well, okay, so let's talk about trauma for a second, and re- remind our listeners that trauma can be anything from a, a car accident to sexual assault to you know, uh, I would P- consider some moral injuries to be traumatic. Right. And that's big T, small T, right? Yep. So big T is the, the combat trauma, the sexual assault, the, the major car accident, where I think small T trauma could be that neglect or spiritual abuse, emotional mm-hmm. abuse, that the moral injury type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times when those things happen, we get kind of blindsided by it yeah. and trying to make the sense of it. Uh, but from a positive empowerment language uh, perspective going, what can we do to become better? How are how will our personalities change for the better yeah. and those kinds of things? And for any individuals who are listening and may think like, oh, I don't have any trauma, so I'm good. Uh, I will remind you that our bodies do not know how to differentiate between prolonged shame and trauma. Right. Uh, and so that really embarrassing moment of walking into the girls the opposite gender bathroom as like a five-year-old and realizing it and that moment of shame uh, is treated by the body like trauma and so uh, I think a lot of the times kind of like what we talked about in our grief episode we like to imagine that our lives can be void of uh, trauma, death, loss, failure disappointment Uh, But those things are inevitable and just a part of life. And if we're able to talk about those things, we will be better off for it, which I think is part of the process of trauma resiliency or post-traumatic growth is that it doesn't just start after a trauma. No, it's I think it's 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 our lifelong uh, pursuit for for growth. And so that that I think begs the question is. Can everybody experience trauma resiliency and post-traumatic growth? I say yes. I think it's a mindset piece, but it's also a it's a uh, honest dive into where we're at. Mm. So I might not be anywhere near or ready for tra- you know tra- trauma resiliency or post-traumatic growth uh, because of the amount of hurts that I've experienced, maybe or because I've not really had a foundation of emotional intelligence or communication skills. Yep. So I think um, 
there are different uh, levels or stages that we can be at, but I believe everybody firmly, firmly believe that everybody can experience these things yeah. through um, developing social supports, to going to counseling, really, really understanding the power of the mind and mm-hmm. and, and and our thoughts over our emotions and our experiences and that yeah. kind of stuff. I'm going to prompt you with two things that I know you're going to enjoy talking about. Uh, though first is an individual that we've talked about on the show before. His name is Victor Frankel. Oh yeah. Uh, and he approached this from a very, uh, a, a focus on internal locus of control. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think both of the the name and the internal locus of control would be good things to just talk about. Well, uh, so who was Victor Frankl? Man's Search for Meaning is a fantastic book uh, that he wrote, but he was a Holocaust survivor. uh, And one of the things that he talks about, about his uh, reasoning for uh, surviving the Holocaust was the fact that he realized the power of his mind and the fact that, you know, uh, basically I'm going to butcher this quote, but it was basically (laughs) talking about the idea that, you know, they could do what they want to my physical body but they can't take my mind mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways that's what kept him from from dying because yeah. a lot of people uh, that we we've experienced in our in our counseling field but also just throughout history that when you when you give up is when the body gives up too yeah when I say you I say your mind when you, yeah. know, when you just kind of give give up it's gone and so the internal locus of control is this idea of I I can't control what happens to me mm-hmm but I can control how I react to it. And that goes back to Dr. Caroline Leaf's, you know, uh, stuff on, on the switch on your brain and the 21 day brain yeah. detox is that how, if we recognize the power of our mind, um, not, nobody is saying this is easy. Oh no. Nobody's saying this is like a magic no. pill that you're going to yeah. switch on this, you know, it and takes, in a lot of ways, this may actually be harder than your natural way of coping with trauma. Just giving up. Uh, or giving in. Right. Cause I, I, and I think that's something that's really important to note is that our, we have a natural reaction to trauma that's based out of how we grew up, what we've experienced, or just blah, blah, our, blah. how, in a lot of ways, how we were designed to survive. Mm-hmm. It's our fight, flight, or freeze, you know, the, the reptilian, you know, uh, brain of, uh, that we have. And if yeah. you need to understand that more, you could just understand the different parts of the brain, but the reptilian brain is basically what keeps our heart beating, what keeps our, our, our lungs, you know, filling up with air involuntary, uh, involuntary stuff. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that feels easier than having to in, engage with that. Oh, moment. sure. Because a lot of that, right. that our response, the, the trauma response is disengagement right. or over engagement one way or the other. And that's very natural right. in our response. And so coming out of that and looking at it from this perspective can feel really difficult and legitimately is a whole lot of work. Uh, but it's good work because ultimately what happens, I'll let you talk to this, Dr. Mayfield, um, what happens if you work out of the trauma response, the fight, flight, freeze, for a long time, what happens to your body? Well, it 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 you're stuck. I mean, in all intents and purposes, you're. Uh, when we work with clients that are operating out of that, you know, there's they usually come in from a somatic standpoint, mm. right? You know, I I went to the neurologist, nothing's wrong, but I still have headaches, or you know, um, I went to. Um, you know, check, get my legs checked out because I can't feel them and got neuropathy, but they couldn't find anything wrong. Right. So our body in a lot of ways uh, will settle into 
uh, you know, that stress response. And it, in, in a lot of ways, it goes to the weakest point, right? Yeah. So you have an injury or you have something that's happened physically, your body's going to go there. If you get sick a lot, I think is, is a lot of it is too, yeah. a weak immune system. So it's how our body, uh, in a lot of ways, how our body is is maintaining that fight, flight, or freeze, it's always turned on and yeah. other things that happen, right? And an, so- An example of this, so I've I've shared before on this show that in high school I was uh, self-harming and suicidal and my mom is a delayed responder, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means that in the midst of a crisis, she, every, all of the like non-necessary functions cease. Right. And it's all necessary functions. A lot of that fight, flight, freeze, we're working out of a survival mentality. And that's how she operated for a good year or so of just this constant fear that I was going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Once I was safe and in the process of recovery, she started to experience a lot of sickness and weakness in her body and went to the doctor. And after a lot of time, found out that she had adrenal fatigue. Basically, mm-hmm. our adrenal glands will produce adrenaline, but it kind of works like a match sometimes. And cortisol. Yep. And cortisol. And so what she was doing was her adrenal glands were constantly producing, right. which burned them out. Right. And... Looking at my family's history, there is some epigenetic components to adrenal glands, to thyroid, to some of these mm-hmm. chemicals. And so that was the weak point for her hmm. uh, where it got to her. And that will look differently for each person. But recognizing that a lot of the trauma that she experienced during that time is why she 10 years later still has struggles with her adrenal glands and right. and being alert well and that's you know and again that's the body's way of trying to to cope yeah um but i think the power that we talk about through post-traumatic growth and and through uh, trauma resiliency is this idea that when we make up our mind to to think for things to be different uh research is saying that people actually have shown to have greater optimism higher positive affect meaning just kind of a better outlook on life better satisfaction with social support and and friendships uh you know as as well as a number of increased supports right so when we have an internal locus of control we realize these things are going on um you know, yes, it's a hard, hard upscale. I mean, it's a hard totally to climb out of sometimes. Um, but the the results are actually greater. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious as you're reading that how this differs from the old sayings that we've heard so many times of get over it, see the positive. Like at least nobody's like at least the world isn't over or at least so-and-so is not dead too, or at least blah, blah, blah. How does what you just mentioned differ from that? I think it's all in the, the choice and the perspective. And so if we are somebody just tells us to get over it, we don't recognize the emotion. We don't recognize the event. We don't recognize what's going on. Um, or if we do, we just stuff it. But I think from a, a post-traumatic growth or a trauma resiliency standpoint, we have to really dig in and deal with it. We have mm. to understand the nuances of the feelings. We have to understand the effects they have on our uh, physical, mental, and social, emotional lives and uh, begin to make con- cognitive and constant choices within that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I always tell my clients, what does it look like to become old friends with your emotions? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, 
if you're going through grief right now, like we talked about, you know, a month or two ago, um, that is a hard and arduous process. But if you lean into the process and understand kind of the the multiplistic emotions that go with it, uh, you know, and let's say you lost a a spouse, mm-hmm. right? That's that's a big loss, or a child. That's a big loss. Uh, and you know, you come to see us and go, you know what? I they they died five years ago, and yet those emotions are still really, really vibrant. Yeah. Well, it's it's because I think in some ways we've you know we dismiss it. We get we say yeah. get over it and that kind of stuff. But for somebody that I've worked with, like I'm working with, I work with a lot of uh, individuals that have lost somebody, and uh, we talk about you know the feelings you're feeling now uh, aren't really ever going to go away. But if you become familiar with them, if you become old friends with them, they're not going to be surprising to you when they come back yeah. at a first, like the first Thanksgiving after somebody died or first yeah. Christmas. And you're, you know, when we become surprised by things, what do we do? We tend to protect, run away, whatever. But if we know, okay, that sucks. That's hard. That hurts. Mm-hmm. But I've got these three resources to reach out to. I've got this person I yeah. can talk to. Um, it becomes a lot different. And that's the resiliency piece, right? Mm-hmm. The resiliency piece is let's work through it, not get over it. Yeah. And for any of our listeners and viewers that are trying to understand what this looks like and how you may be able to uh, use this in your own story, uh, I have two recommendations for you. The first is counseling, counseling always, because <laughs> I think it makes so much sense, especially when we're dealing with trauma. The second one is Mayfield Counseling Centers is going to be starting a new series um, soon here. Just a couple videos of uh, one of our therapists, Shane Stewart, meeting with individuals and kind of pulling out the points of post-traumatic growth and uh, trying to teach you how to do that. Um, And so keep an eye out for those. Um, The series is currently unnamed, but if I remember in in the future, I'll come back and put it in the comments. Nice. Once it's done. And I think for, so I think it's that that self-awareness piece. So it's going back to, I mean, even a lot of the core longings series that we did and, and figuring out where maybe you're struggling or lacking and working through those. Because I think, um, and I, and I, and I'm a firm believer of this and I'm going to repeat myself here, but everybody has the opportunity for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just finding the, the way to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody lacks the ability for post-traumatic growth. No, but we diagnose. And so, I mean, we get on a soapbox for a second. You know, if we diagnose somebody with post-traumatic stress disorder, how's that? Like if I were to diagnose you with that after a trauma, um, you know, as obviously as counselors, we know that that can be helpful in the sense of understanding how we're going to do therapy and yeah. and how we, have, you know, the steps we make forward. But if I say, okay, this, this individual's got post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm going to say, hey, let's figure out post-traumatic growth. How does that switch your thinking uh, from a maybe a diagnostic to a uh, future oriented sure. growth. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm currently at the wellness center at UCCS and learning how uh, helpful diagnoses can be in oh, yeah. guiding therapy. Yep. And I think that's what you're talking to as well, but you're right. A lot of times it's, we're going to throw a DSM code at you and you're stuck with that forever. Right. That's kind of the culture that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when you meet with individuals, and I think you can really tell. I want you. I want to challenge our listeners on this because I've been challenged with this. How do you identify yourself? Yeah. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, 
you know, I am a uh, suicide survivor that that uh, is working through anxiety and depression, or I struggle with, mm. right? How how do we verbalize these or things? Or I have, or I have. You know, you label yourself with these things, and you know, as I've begun to understand kind of uh, the the nuances of anxiety and depression, realizing that a lot of it has to do with my outlook. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, my engagement of self and and my thought processes. Yeah. And if I don't catch myself, then it feels almost out of control. Yeah. But if I'm able to work through those things, that's where the resiliency and the growth yeah. come from. And to get on my soapbox for just a moment, <laughs> literally everyone struggles with anxiety and depression to one extent or another. Yeah. It, it's not that like humanity is t- like one person can be totally removed. From that's the, that's the depression. existential framework, right? I mean, <laughs> living in this world produces those things. Right. The unknown produces those things. I mean, and I think by able, being able to normalize that, like we have a DSM diagnosis for depression when it becomes a clinical concern, but that, and so not everybody has clinical depression or anxiety, but everybody has some amount of depression and anxiety and has gone through some level of trauma one way or another. Everybody has experienced shame. These are all parts of the human experience for better or worse, but they are. And the best that we can do is recognize that I don't get to control the world around me. I don't get to control how the crazy Colorado drivers drive around me, but I can control how I'm driving. And more importantly, I can control how I am interacting internally with these drivers, with the anxiety that I feel, feel with the fear that I have and recognize that the world can do all sorts of things to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not safe in a lot of ways. Right. And I also have control over myself. And I think that's where, um, if I'm going to harp on something for a minute, I think that's where the medical model uh, gets us in trouble. Because if if we have a diagnosis, then we have an excuse. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just saying... That, we can that, have an excuse, yeah. Right, and I think that's where a lot of times our world goes to is I can't help it, I have. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can help it and, and you are able to do these things. Let, let me help you figure that out. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, we we draw the line, or not draw the line, but we really differentiate between uh, trauma resilience and, and, and not, is that when we have somebody come in that says, you know, these things have happened to me and my life is just miserable, my process is going to go, how do I help them begin to re- frame their thinking mm. to realize, yeah, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. I can't understand what that feels like because I've not experienced it myself. Uh, and are you wanting to stay stuck there because you don't have to be? If you are, I, I can't convince you otherwise. Right. Or are we going to reframe your processes, look through the find, look through the lens of resilience and growth yeah. uh, and, and uh, come out of it? Yeah. Well, and I think if we look at I've mentioned over and over that I'm a huge fan of sci-fi and fantasy. And if we look at some of these, really, (laughs) if we look at some of these stories that we look after and I go to the example of uh, the Lord of the Rings, because it's It's a great example. it, It changed fantasy. It started fantasy. In my opinion, if we look at the Lord of the Rings, it's not, it's, it's not that Frodo stayed in the Shire 
and lived happily ever after and Sam married Rose and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the story that we look at and we're like, oh, that's wonderful. That's so like, that's a great epic story. The epic part, the part that we look at is that Frodo and Sam went through the worst experiences ima- imaginable. Right. Losing friends and allies, losing each other, losing themselves, mm-hmm. being hurt, injured, kidnapped, all of these things, seeing seeing devastation around them. Right. The thing that we look at and we respect and honor is that they got through it. And that at the end of the world, for half of Middle Earth, whatever, uh, they're through it and Sam comes home to the Shire marries uh, his love and grows a garden and has children and he's been through so much trauma but it's at that point when we can look back on his story and be like wow he survived that's such that's such a wonderful powerful story but it's it isn't that without the hard stuff and we get more understanding of who Sam is as a character and so much more respect and honor for him because of what he's been through. But look at Sam and Frodo before and after. Yeah. And that's post-traumatic growth. Yes. That's trauma resiliency. And it's not pretty. Frodo doesn't come out of that super healthy. No. You know, he leaves. But he's a stronger. Yeah. More vibrant. Wise. Wise individual. And I think that's a good example of that. And if you haven't watched The Lord of the Rings or... Don't watch. Read, no. read, read. Well, the Lord of the Rings, you can watch, but The Hobbit, don't watch. Don't watch The Hobbit. No. But, and if you do watch The Lord of the Rings, I'm going to encourage you to watch the extended, extended edition yep. because it gives you a lot more information. But look read. at it through the lens of some of this post-traumatic growth and take right. note of Frodo and Sam, all the characters. Before. I would say actually audible or read it. Yeah. And it's the best way to do it. It is. Because it's such a, I mean, the your imagination so and so it's good. just wonderful. I'm going to go. Tolkien master. Go do that. Words, I think, in the, language. Yeah. But, but I think that's the example. And I think we can see these. And that's the, I think that's the striving of any good novel, uh, a, a fantasy novel, or just kind of that uh, uh, analogous type of storytelling is yeah. that we, we find a, 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 a character that is mediocre and they go through something really great to challenge what's actually inside of them mm-hmm. uh, to come it's out that crucible the yeah. refining fire so that's that's a good way of ending I think I like that yeah. you know it's just how do we look at our life experiences as those refining fires to make us somebody to bring out the things that are in us that are already there that we didn't maybe even know we had a sword is not made by hitting a rock and having it fall out it goes through a really difficult process of being pounded down heated up pounded right. down heated up over and over until it's finally sharpened, cutting off and removing more. But the end product is, and and I think if we can look at the end product of how can I be stronger and be more of me at the end of this experience. Right, I agree. Well, again, as always, if you need any uh, support, let us know. Uh, Call us, 719-452-4803. I almost forgot that one. (laughs) And then, or email us, and we'd love to talk with you. And if you are interested in more conversations about The Lord of the Rings and how it ties into mental health, uh, maybe I can convince Mark to do an episode with me on here. Uh, If not, you can check out the podcast, Praying for Superpowers, that does a lot of that work as well. Awesome. Thank you for joining Candid Conversations. If you would like more information, you can email candid at mayfieldcounseling.com or 
Call 719-452-4803.